Hello, this is Peter Freeth and this is the Genius at Work podcast and I'm going to be interviewing ordinary people really, but ordinary people who have extraordinary talents and I'm going to be getting inside their minds and figuring out how it works and you'll find the process interesting and you'll learn something that you're going to be able to use in your own life as well. So let's get on with the show. Do you already have something in mind that you're interested in exploring? Maybe something that you've had feedback on in the past from people that they've admired that you've done or that you've been able to do that you'd be interested in exploring and learning more about? It's a good question. Um, so the one thing that I know I've had modeled before because when I was at practitioner training with Dr. Bandler and um, Kathleen and John Laval, if you know, if you know them, um, Kathleen modeled me for, uh, I have an incredible amount of self-discipline. So I'm up every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I wait lift. I take my dog for usually three miles, if not more, because it just depends on, on one weather, but then two, you know, what time I need to get started for work. So on the weekends, I go a little bit further. Um, I'm, so I'm, I'm very self-disciplined. I know that's something that a lot of people lack or would like to have more of, um, so that's one option. Another option is I'm the youngest of four kids. So I'm, it's really intriguing. And I'm, I'm curious to one of the reasons I started reading a lot of your content, a lot of your material was because you really seem to understand or have a really clear grasp of modeling. And as the youngest of four kids, I had a, a great mom who was the youngest of five kids. And when I was younger, anytime my siblings would make a mistake, she would kind of pull me aside as a side note and say, hey, you see where your brother did this and it got him in trouble? Or do you see where your sister did that and it really helped her out? So she was kind of teaching me at a young age to watch the people that are older than me and learn from them and learn from their mistakes and then either make the decision myself to, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, make a go at it and see how it works or you know, make a different decision and have that wiser decision depending on the instance. Um, so I've, I've always been really good at naturally modeling people. And I'm one of the things I'm more curious to learn is one, how is it that I have that unique capability and how can I take that and apply it now with everything I know with NLP to selling, to leadership, to coaching, where I can help to really increase my ability to help other people do something that I just have a tendency to do naturally. Does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. <clears throat> and that's an in interesting example because as the youngest child you were observing other people at different stages in their life and development and relationships mm -hmm. before you understood language so you were observing at the nonverbal level of interactions and cause and effect over time mm -hmm. long before you got to hear people's explanations of what they were doing yep. and I found this talking with other people that it's something very interesting that happens that the youngest child seems to have this implicit or intuitive understanding of if X then Y or I'm trying to think of, of who it was who was telling me but an example with two sons who the oldest would complain about something and then do it and mm. all the youngest sees is noise coming from his mouth and then he does it mm -hmm. the youngest child doesn't understand the excuses and the uh, trying to get out of it mm -hmm. youngest only sees the action yep. <clears throat> and in in essence what we're doing with with this approach to modeling is we're using observations of patterns of behavior we're using observations of the structure of language as clues but what we're really trying to get to is 
the underlying behavioral programs. And when you're the youngest child, that's all you've got because you don't understand what people are talking about. Yep. So I think that's an interesting thing that happens. Whereas the oldest child is always the observer from the, the other end of that spectrum. The oldest child is always observing from the position of knowledge and description and definition of instructions and rules and all that sort of stuff. The youngest yeah. child just sees what is, doesn't see how people, doesn't understand how people justify that. Right, right. Yeah, and it's interesting because my wife, um, we've been married, it'll be 10 years in, uh, in November, and she's the youngest of two, but she has a very similar, she watched things her sister did. So now that the two of us are married, we kind of get the, wait a minute, opposites are supposed to attract, but we're very, very similar. and We work, our, our relationship works really, really well. And usually you don't have the two youngest that end up together, just statistically speaking, in a marriage scenario. And uh, both of us have a tendency to watch how our siblings are raising their kids and then come back and say, okay, so how would we do it if we were in this scenario and kind of go through all of that? Um, So it's interesting because it plays out from a business perspective when I'm thinking about how I model, like I'm a salesperson and I've I've gone from being a salesperson to now I'm a, a sales trainer and a sales coach. And I think one of the reasons that I'm, I'm good at that and that I have just kind of a natural skill is because I'm not the salesperson that just does it and doesn't know why I do it. I've been studying and modeling without knowing that it was called modeling from an NLP perspective, but I've just been, ever since I got into sales, I looked at what worked, what doesn't work, how do I apply that, you know, kind of use my sensory acuity to figure out what is working, what isn't working and have the adaptability and flexibility to adjust that. And that's always just been a natural inclination of mine. So it, it's, it's interesting that I see it play out in sales. I see it play out in business and relationships and in all these other different areas. But it's something that is natural and innate just because I was the youngest of four, you know. Um, so it so, so you, so you presented <laughs> a couple of options. There's the, the self-discipline. <clears throat> And then there's the, also the, the the idea about learning from others and uh, and observing and learning. And I'm going to take a wild guess just based on my own experience, but um, it may not be the case. Uh, so I'm just going to take a guess that these are actually two facets of the same thing. Hmm. It'll be well. interesting to explore if that's the case, if we can discover any common threads, other than that they are both qualities that you have yeah I'd, I'd be curious to know because i was uh i don't know that i was that overly like i was always in sports as a kid so i had natural discipline i was in five sports my parents were pretty deliberate about having us in sports consistently um, but i also was in in band and i also wasn't acting so i was in a lot of different uh skill sets that required repetition to get good at it um, but I wouldn't say that I was overly disciplined until after I was in the Marine Corps. And, um, and this, this may get into kind of some of the stuff that we want to go over. But I remember uh, after I had gotten out of the Marine Corps, I was in the reserves. And after I had been in kind of the civilian world and been out of the Marine Corps and was just a civilian, I had gotten to a point where uh, I remember my wife and I got a, got a puppy. So I, I have a Siberian Husky who's the pride and joy of my life because my first kid's on its way. So I'm sure when she gets here, she'll be the pride and joy. But for now, he, he gets to fill the spot. But um, I remember at one point, like I was on the ground with the dog and I realized 
since my time in the Marine Corps, I hadn't had to get up and down off the actual floor itself. I had always been in a couch or in a chair or something. And I just realized I was like, wow, I kind of disconnected with nature. And, you know, just as a, as an athlete, you're kind of always getting knocked down and getting back up type thing. Um, so I remember thinking I had this great gift that was given to me by the Marine Corps to, to put my mind, you know, set my mind on something and then instill the discipline needed to actually go and get it done. And I wasn't using that great advantage that they had given me. And that was kind of how I started doing some of the things where I just have innate discipline around stuff. That, so I'd be curious. sounds very you similar to what you said about your brothers and learning from their mistakes. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So here's something that I can see has been beneficial for other people who've come before me. I'd better do it. Yep. Don't know why. Uh, bad things happen to them, maybe. So uh, I'd better, I'd better do this. Because the word discipline is interesting. Because discipline is a is an, a nominalization. It's a verb. So it's a, an action that one. It's something that some person would would do for or give to another. So, so discipline. I, I wonder if it has a connotation of if I have to be disciplined to do something, it's because I don't want to do it myself but I'm doing it in order to conform, to comply, fall in with some sort of routine or regime or something like that. So it was interesting that you said about getting up at 4am. Do you really want to get up at 4am? Good question. Um, I don't think it's so much that I want to get up at 4am. It's all the other things that I want to get done that I right. don't want to be affected by the rest of time. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever stop and wonder in anything that you do, all of these other activities that you're fitting in, do you ever stop and wonder to yourself, why am I doing this again? Not really. I usually, I usually have my reasoning figured out before I get disciplined about it. So um, I, I typically know, I typically have the, the reasoning that justifies the discipline long before I get the discipline about it. And then if I ever get to a point where it's feeling taxing or it's feeling waning or something like that, like, like one of the things that I do is I journal and journaling is something that I've done because you're quote unquote supposed to do it. And there's all these great benefits that come from journaling and I'll admit, I'm still trying to figure out what some of those benefits are. <laughs> um, and, and so I've had that point where I go, well, why is it that I'm really doing this? But whenever that comes up, my brain immediately triggers and says, well, you're doing it because there's great benefits. You just haven't figured out how to get those benefits for yourself. So keep working through, figure out what's working, what's not working and adapt it to fit, you know, what's going to give you great benefit and then it'll be worth it. But if you just stop and give up, you'll, you'll never get to the point of get, getting those benefits. So so, so that's a, there's a really interesting sense of trust in that trust in the process, trust in the system, trust, mm -hmm. trust that, that you'll you'll discover some benefit in this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah so, and same thing, getting up early. I worked backwards in time of. Um, oh, this is interesting. You're you're getting me insights that I didn't know I had just just thinking through this, which is part of the fun of doing this type of exercise. Um, but when I first decided to get up at 4am, it was because I had looked at my, my wife and I had started talking about having kids and I had had the consideration of 
so many people that said, oh, yeah, when you have kids, good luck getting your workouts in and good luck um, staying fit and staying healthy and good luck, you know, getting your sleep and all these other different things. And I remember I, I had the thought of there's so many people that just say, well, when that happens, good luck ever doing any of these things. And when I look back on it, I go, but you weren't necessarily doing any of those things beforehand. So of course it's hard to get up earlier. You weren't getting up early to begin with. You waited until you had a child and then said, well, I should switch my workouts to being in the morning. So I looked at that and went, well, if when I have kids, I want that discipline, then, and that's where I say I kind of worked backwards in time and figured out if I get up at four o'clock in the morning, there may be some days if I have an early flight out at 6 a.m., I have to get up at 3 or 3.30, but 90% of the time, I'm not going to have to shift when I wake up. So if I'm used to getting up at four o'clock in the morning, I can get up at four, I can get my workout in, I can get my, my exercise with my dog, and then by then... You know, if my wife gets up around six, I'm doubting maybe my daughter will have my same tendencies and get up around four. But if she has a tendency to get up like most kids a little bit later in the morning, um, I'll still be able to get all those things done. And then when work is done at the end of the day, I can spend that time with my family and with my child versus going, oh, I got to run off to the gym or something else came up and I'm going to miss those workouts. So that's kind of but, how I... So a common, a common element that seems to be coming out of this is that you're looking at what other people are doing. And it's, it's as if you, you, you're responding as if that could well happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're not looking at those people and saying, oh, well, that's their experience and, and dismissing that. You're saying, well, that's happening to them, so that could be happening to me and therefore... I would be wise to, to preempt that or consider that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cause my, my line of thinking is basically if I follow their same path, the likelihood of me having the same results is much, much higher versus if I diverge off the path they're currently on, I can change my potential results in the future and have the life that I actually want to have live the type of lifestyle I want versus waiting until I'm at that same point and then going, well, gee, life's terrible. Cause I didn't, I didn't make those changes and I really wish I could. So. Has there ever been a time when <clears throat> you followed someone else's path and it hasn't delivered what you expected and you found that, I don't know, frustrating or disappointing in some way or, or confusing? Not that I can think of. So for example, following a, uh, a workout routine or a, a program from a self-help book or something like that. And, and this isn't working out for me and I don't know why. Maybe workout routines where I've, I've changed a routine and, and I'll say for lack of better terminology, bought into the hype of I'm going to do this workout for X amount of time. And these are the amazing results I'm going to get. But I guess I don't ever blame the routine so much as I look at what actions did I take or not take, or what did I miss within their formula of, if you follow these exact steps, you get X result. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily like blame the routine or blame what they did. I, I try to look at, well, what did I miss or what did I do that didn't generate that same result for those people? Or what did I not want to do? Um, like for instance, I've done some of the beach body P90X or P90X2 and things like that. And um, some of those, they have you on very, very restricted calorie amounts. And there's been times where I'm like, 
I want to look like that, but not where I'm going to lose muscle mass in the process. So I'm going to keep my calories at a certain point where I'm not losing fat and muscle just based on my goals. So I guess kind of from that perspective, I look at both. Cause I think one of the, one of the dangers or one of the, 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 the things that happens in a lot of industries, you know, self-help and everybody is writing a book on how to be rich and successful. Everyone's got the recipe for success. Everyone has got their personal celebrity diets and celeb- celebrity w- workout plans and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got the secret to your success, to what's going to work for you. And, and it is, you know, let's say it's undoubtedly what worked for them doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you if some of the conditions are, are different that they haven't told you about. So, um, right. so I wonder you've, I guess you've read a lot of these sorts of books. You've seen these sorts of people talking on, on YouTube or join their programs, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that causes people some frustration is uh, exactly as you just said, this isn't working for me. And, and the possibilities are either the program's wrong or I'm not doing it properly. Mm-hmm. And often the people creating these programs will say, ah, it's because you're not following the program, you're not doing it right, you're not doing this right. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how that fits with your attitude if you've tried to follow those sorts of programs from maybe books that you've read. Yeah, so that's... find that it's easy to get the same, the, the promised results or whether you, how you deal with that when you don't. Yeah, so I'm a fairly positive person, but I also have what I guess some people would refer to as healthy skepticism. And the way I look at it, like um, a lot of people have read Tony Robbins' book, you know, Awaken the Giant Within. And he's got all this stuff in there. If you follow these different processes, which 99% are almost directly from NLP, which I find funny because he rephrases it, but um, if, if you follow these steps, this is the end result that you're going to get. And I guess I've always looked at it and said, okay, that's a framework that I can work within, but the exact things that Tony was doing in that moment in time are different than what I'm doing in my exact moment in time. And especially with a book, anytime a book's written, anytime someone comes up with a program and says, Hey, this is, this is the process that I followed and this is what works for me my thought process has always been there's probably key elements that I can take and I can learn from, but because I'm in my own world and my own reality and my own space and everything's happening at different moments in time with different sets of people and there's similarities you can draw, I have to create my own results. It's not something that I can just say, I take your process, apply it to my life and it should work because your process worked in your life with your moment, with your past history, with your past knowledge, with all those kinds of things, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for me because I bring a whole different, um, you know, as we'd say, I have a completely different map of the world. So something that you saw as a trigger event, I may not ever pick up on as a trigger event. And the person that wrote the book or created the course or whatever, it was a natural inclination that they never recorded as this was a specific trigger and this was the specific action I needed to do. I may not have that background. So um, I guess in that instance, I've never, I've never had the case where I've said, geez, I, I tried this program. I tried this diet. I tried this exercise program. I read this book and it didn't work and that's their fault. I've always just looked at it as, well, they have their map and their background and their history and I have mine. So what can I, I guess I don't read it to figure out what exactly do they do and how can I make this work? I, I read it to figure out 
to increase my own acuity, I guess you would say, or my own perception so that I can pick up on the same things that they were able to pick up on. And I accept the fact that I may not be able to pick up on everything because we have different backgrounds. Does that mean that you attach more significance to learning from other people's mistakes than you do to learning from their successes? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so if someone else says, oh, this is awful, don't do this, you go, whoa, good advice, thanks. And if they say, ah, oh, this is the secret to success, you'll say, yeah, I'll figure it out for myself, thanks. Uh, yes and no. It depends on what they're saying. It's awful and don't ever do it. Um, because what I also can't When you were growing up, what kind of things did you see happening to your brothers that made you feel, yeah, I definitely don't want to be in that situation so the biggest one he'd probably be embarrassed if i if i mentioned this but the biggest one i saw was in dating um and it goes all the way to who he's he's married to now so hopefully he'll never see this and she'll never see this um but i can remember so going I, into the details are you talking about consequences of actions as opposed to punishment kind of both uh, consequences of actions, but also I got feedback. So I went to a very, very small private Christian school. Um, I had four siblings, two older sisters, one older brother, and we all went through the same school from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. Um, so I think my brother's graduating class had like 30 kids in it. Um, so it was one of those schools where if you dated one girl, every girl knew everything that went on in that relationship because they were so tightly knit. Like you, you couldn't get away to a certain extent. Uh, I, my class was 65. So we thought we were huge and you had double the opportunity to, to not screw up. But um, I can remember certain girls that he dated that uh, like one of them, for instance, um, just to give a quick, quick background, he dated a girl in like eighth grade who she ended up moving away and I think she moved to like Kansas city or something. So she moved far enough away that they were disconnected and being that young, they had maybe three or four letters between each other. And then they never talked again. Well, she moved back in, I think 10th grade. So she had been gone for a couple of years and he went to prom with another girl who was also decently popular. And the first time that this girl who had moved away showed back up at the school was during prom. So he brought one girl to the prom and then ended up seeing that this other girl was there and completely left his date and went to be with this other girl and um, not doing anything, you know, wrong or anything. He just went and spent time with her and ended up kind of being at the prom with her. And I think it was the very next week, the girl that he had brought as his original date, I was walking by her in the cafeteria and she literally grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and pulled me in close and said, don't you ever ever be like your brother. And I just remember being like, I, I didn't even know what had happened at that point. So I was in eighth grade. I wasn't at the prom. I was like, okay, I'll try not to. Great. You know, whatever. Um, but I remember at that point realizing like the things we do affect other people. And so I just need to have a conscious awareness of what my actions do to other people in various different scenarios. And so I kind of learned from that specific instance. And it obviously still sticks out in my mind for whatever reason. Um, but I remember through the rest of high school, people would be like, Oh, you're John's brother. And one of the first things I would say is, yeah, but I'm nothing like it. So in that moment that, that, that she grabbed you, 
Uh-huh. What what feeling were you experiencing? A little bit of bewilderment because I wasn't sure why she was grabbing me. Um, and then I remember it was kind of bewilderment and then shock of thinking, what did he do? Because at that point, I, I didn't know. Um, but I remember thinking, like, what did he do that set you off to the point you're going to grab me? Who I, I know her name, but other than that, um, it w- wasn't like she and I also communicated. We were two grades apart, which in, in school, you may as well be 40 years, 40 years apart from each other. Um, so it was, it was kind of bewilderment and then almost like a curiosity of what did he do that set you off to this point? Um, and she yeah. had... Was there any sense of unfairness in that? Not really. I knew my brother, so I kind of assumed. <laughs> As in, <laughs> he's the one who's upset. Why is she grabbing me? Oh, no. No. Um, no. So bewildering, shock. Yeah. Okay. So... So you said that was learning about um, sort of consequences of actions and and that your actions affect other people and not only the other girl, but also through the other girl, then you. So his actions affected you. Yeah. So did you, did you learn something from that along the lines of, uh, I don't want other people to feel the way that I did, or I don't want other people to then come back to me and say, you know, Look what you, trouble you've caused me, that sort of thing. How did um, that motivate you? I, I think what motivated me about it was kind of getting a, an understanding of reputation and how the actions I take not only affect other people, but they also affect how other people will communicate, communicate about me and, and relate to things about me. Um, so I kind of looked at it as, okay, she grabbed me. She has, I think she had three of her girlfriends that were sitting right there. And that meant that, you know, my brother didn't only have this one girl who was upset with him, but she had all of her friends and spread that out, you know, seven degrees of separation, however many people they told and whatnot, um, that it was going to get back around that, yeah, you don't, you don't want to spend time with John because he's going to, you know, if another girl comes along, he's just going to drop you. And um, so I kind of took it as, as understanding that one, your actions affect other people, but two, that also affects your reputation and, and how they see you in the future as well. So it's interesting the word reputation. So in that in that moment, in that interaction, did you feel any sense of embarrassment? Not really. Okay. Just trying to explore what's on the other side of reputation. What's what what does it mean to yep. lose reputation? Well, I guess my family has always had um like the family name was kind of always one of those things my dad would instill in my brother and I of like, you represent the Tudis name and you represent the family. Um, which what's interesting about that is, is my dad's side of the family, last name Tudis and we're, we're German. Um, but my mom's side of the family is actually English, um, coming from, uh, Nottingham area. And for whatever reason, I identify more with that side of the family. Um, which is probably why I'm so big into soccer and, and, and love, uh, football. Um, but that being said, your, your reputation for whatever reason I link to the British side of the family as that's kind of your heritage and that's, um, that family lineage means something. 
And so when it came to reputation and kind of tarnishing your reputation, I looked at it as, you know, I can either be something that my grandparents and my, my parents and extended family all look to and say, Hey, he's upholding the family name and he's really building good credibility and a good uh, reputation, or he's tearing that down over time. Um, so I guess I kind of looked at it from that perspective as well. So I, I, I guess it is, as, as you said, or implied earlier, it is important to point out that, you know, your brother's a good, a good person and, you know, under the circumstances, <laughs> probably yeah. a lot of people would have behaved exactly, in exactly the same way when, you know, yeah. when you, you're young and you don't control where your parents are moving and, and how they kind of pull your life this way and that way. So, yeah. So yeah. The funny thing is he and I uh, were adversaries when we were younger and then when he got to college, like the first time he moved away, it was almost like he realized, oh, my little brother might not always be there. And um, I can remember times where he was calling me from college saying how much he missed me and all this other stuff. And I was still, I hadn't experienced that gap. So I was kind of like, hey, it's actually kind of nice that you're gone. because <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, I don't have a bigger brother picking on me and all that kind of stuff. I kind of, I kind of enjoy it. Um, but then when, when I got into the Marine Corps, we really got close. So yeah, he is, he is a great guy. So, so, uh, again, coming back to the word reputation, you, you said there were times when somebody said, oh, you're John's brother. And you said, yeah, but I'm nothing like him. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that about trying to distance yourself from any sort of reputational damage? It could be. Um, and, th- and bear in mind, we're talking about your mindset, your experience years back. We're not talking about how you think and feel right now. Yeah. We're talking about a, a much younger period in your life when you didn't have the experience in the perspective that you do now. So of course that's different. Yeah, so definitely. Um, I, think, I think one of the things that, is, that it played into was because I had three older siblings that all went, went through. Um, funny, it kind of comes back to modeling other people. I had other friends of mine that also had older siblings that had come through the same school because we were all fairly tight knit. So there were certain families that all their kids went to the school and there was kind of a core group of us that we all knew each other uh, because we had been together since kindergarten type thing. And what I found was that they're, they would get pigeonholed, so to speak, into how their sibling was. So, um, one girl, for instance, she was going to be exactly like her sister because that was how her sister had come through the system. And I always just looked at it as I'm me, I'm my own person. So don't assume that I am the way my sister was or the way my brother was, because you'd end up having teachers, you'd end up having coaches, you'd have a, end up having other people that just assumed because your sibling was this way, you are going to be this way. So I guess the reason I kind of tried to separate myself was because I was much more uh, consciously aware, I, I guess, of being my own person and kind of wanting at, at that age, if I think back to where that was, I wanted to be known for, I am me. I'm not, I'm not my siblings. I'm not their choices and everything, which may also go back to, I was watching their mistakes and going, don't, don't associate that to me. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Let me make my own, so to speak, or let me make the better decision and, and go from there. So I've, I've heard quite a lot of people who were uh, youngest siblings who upon joining the same school teachers would say oh you're a a, a such and such name or you are so and so's younger brother or younger sister 
Um, and it, so it seems that the youngest child maybe has a stronger need to express individuality compared to the oldest child that, that doesn't have that because they're the, they're the first. And so they, those comparisons are not being made in the same way. So mm-hmm. as youngest children, I'm a youngest of three and my wife's the youngest of three. Um, so there's a, there's a more of a, a more of a tendency to, to look for opportunities to express that individuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that very well could be. By, by claiming who you are saying I'm my own person and also from distancing yourself from, from sibling. Well, I'm not like that. And I'm not into, and actually choosing activities or avenues in life because they're different. Yeah. Yeah. That very well could be the case. So coming back to the idea of discipline, um, are there ever days when the alarm goes off at 4am or maybe it doesn't, maybe you just wake up naturally anyway and you just think, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to get out of bed today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fortunately for me, no. Um, I've almost been waiting for that day, but I kind of, I kind of mentally prepare myself the night before. Um, This is something that Kathleen Laval kind of pointed out to me. She was like, your, your process actually starts way earlier than you think it does. It doesn't start at 4 a.m. when the alarm goes off. Mm. You've pre-planned and mentally told yourself, when the alarm goes off at 4am, my foot hits the floor. Like that's, it's an instant. Mm. Um, I don't really give myself an option because that's one of the areas I feel a lot of people actually go wrong is, is saying, well, when the alarm goes off, maybe I'll snooze it. Maybe I won't. For me, it's nope. The alarm goes off. You're out of bed. Uh, and the only option I give myself is if I've, if I've not gotten a lot of sleep, because I've had nights where I get home late and, my, my rule is unless I go to bed at 2 a.m., I get up at 4. So I have not, luckily, in the last two and a half years since I started, or maybe it's three years now, uh, since I started getting up at 4, I've, I've not gone to bed past 2 a.m. But my rule is as long as I get two hours of sleep, I get up at 4. And then if after I'm up and awake and, you know, I've used the restroom and done all that stuff you do right when you first wake up, if at that point I decide consciously that I do not have enough sleep to actually make it through the day, then I'll allow myself to go back to bed. But if I have enough sleep to make it through the day, tough, you got less sleep, get on with it. So that's interesting. So, so I think you're right about the, the forward planning that when people often get themselves into trouble with things like diets, they'll think, Oh, I'll play it by ear. I see how I feel like I get there. And people who are effective in, in committing to change have already made the decision before they're in the situation where temptation presents itself. And, and for you, temptation would equate to, I just want to pull the covers over my head and, and go back to sleep. So you actually, you're committed to getting up, but you're not committed to staying up. Right. That's an interesting distinction. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess most people would think once you're up, you're up. But for yeah. you, that's not necessarily the case. Yes. Um, and usually I would say that there's been one day that I've actually said, no, I didn't get enough sleep and I'm going to allow myself to go back to bed. Um, but, but allowing I would, yourself that choice. Yes. Makes it easier to make the commitment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause at that point it's my, it's my decision and I've already been disciplined. I've already gone through the act of being disciplined and getting up at four. And if I then make the conscious decision, cause even though, I've always looked at it, the the decisions that people make when they first wake up to me are equal parts conscious and unconscious. (laughs) 
<laughs> that when you're still groggy, you may think like, oh yeah, I made the conscious decision to physically hit the snooze. I'm looking at my watch because I have a, uh, I use the alarm on my watch, but you may choose to physically hit the snooze button, but that even though you're conscious, it's really a subconscious decision where you're having that dialogue in your head and going, oh, I'm really tired. Nope. I'm just going to get some extra sleep. I, I don't give myself that option. It's you're up. And then if I'm, I'm up and I'm awake and I'm conscious and I go, you know what? I just, I didn't get the sleep that I needed. I, I need to get back to sleep. Then I'll allow it. But I would say that literally has happened once uh, in, in three years. And the more likely route, if I am tired is I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm going to take a nap later today and I'll, I'll get a little bit of sleep in there. And then, you know, that'll be the bad result. So if you, if you were to meet somebody else who, who have that same level of, of discipline around their daily routine, how would you see that person? How would you regard that person? How would you describe them? Um, I guess I'd want to know what they do to see if it's the same as, as what I do. And if it's not, what are they doing differently that maybe I can, I can borrow and incorporate into my world or what are they, if, if it, if it wasn't exactly what I did, then I would kind of want to know, okay, well, why does that work for you? Cause maybe the way I do it doesn't work for everybody, but I could learn something from you that I could help someone else. If I'm in a coaching scenario or something to figure out there's different ways of discipline and different ways of motivation. So what, what works for me might not work for someone else. So I, I'd be more curious of figuring out what it is that they do and how I could, how I could use that myself. That sounds like one way of describing reputation. Does it? How so? That somebody, it, it sounds like you're describing a, a sense of respect. This person ha has something I could learn from mm -hmm. and therefore something that I think is worth learning from yeah i could see it that way but i i kind of see it as i can learn from everybody um i can learn because i again i can learn from those who are doing it well or i can learn from those who aren't doing it well and i can almost learn equally from from both i i guess i would be more intrigued with the person that's that's executing on it well to see if we have similar patterns or if there's something different that that applies the, the, the connection I'm, I'm wondering about is I'm guessing that you would prefer to be seen uh, if, if somebody else saw you as somebody to learn from, I'm guessing you would prefer to be seen as somebody to learn good examples from as opposed to what not to do. Yes. hundred percent. Uh, and that's, I think that's absolutely about reputation. Yes. In, in that instance, it definitely would be. Um, Cause so the other... you, can, you can could learn from anyone if someone is to be a, a role model in that sense, it would be a role model for this is a, I'm trying to think what, what, what word to use. It's a, it's a way to live your life. This is a, this is a way to be a way to. And so I'm guessing that you think about this, you, you said you work in sales. So in your interactions with customers, I'm guessing you think about how you want to be seen by them. Mm -hmm. the way you deal with stress, the way you deal with adversity, the way you deal with losing a deal. I'm guessing you're conscious of what you're communicating to other people when you do that. Yep. So yeah, if you lose a deal that you were working really hard on, you don't go around kicking the furniture and blaming everybody. You, 
you you're conscious of, of setting a good example in how to deal with that yep yeah you, you get on with it and you move on to the next thing you're not going to always get a yes unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> so but once yeah. you've decided that something's a good idea like getting up at 4 a.m mm-hmm. it isn't just about discipline it isn't just about routine it's actually about reputation yeah, I never thought of it that way. But it is. Once you've said you're going to do something like that, yep. you're not then a week later going to say, oh, I can't, nobody's looking now. I can't be bothered. I'm just going back to sleep. Yeah. Well, an, an interesting thing there. So um, I don't know if you've seen my posts on LinkedIn, which they're the same on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. They're all kind of the same. But I, uh, I just changed it today. But prior to today, all of them were the same exact thing almost. I take a picture of my watch to show that, yes, I was up at 4 a.m. I, I take a picture of whatever my gym setup is because I have, I have the, uh, a gym here at my house. So, um, and that's one of those things I, I purposefully have a setup here at my house so I can get it done and I don't have to travel somewhere because that's another thing that'll stop people. Um, but I actually had a situation where I, I take those pictures, I put them in a kind of a collage and then I have a quote and whatever my thoughts are for the day. And I had a situation where I had been doing that for probably about a year. And, and like most things on social, if you don't get a ton of feedback or likes or comments, you just assume people aren't necessarily looking at it, which I didn't really care if people were looking at it or not. It was then just, I post it. Well, that's, that's another good question. <laughs> it, it initially started as um, keeping, holding myself accountable because if I had to take a picture of my watch which I, I, I pulled that idea from Jocko Willink. If you've ever heard of Jocko Willink, um, he posts a picture of when he gets up and just says he's getting after it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I pulled from that idea and it was just kind of a way to hold myself accountable. And my, my intention was just to do it for the first year because that's what I had committed to. And that was part of, if I'm doing that every single day for a year, I have to post that picture of my watch saying that it's 4 a.m. that I actually got up on time. And that was just my own way of creating my own personal accountability because I didn't know anybody else that would wake up at four and call me or text me to say, hey, did you get up? So I couldn't create an accountability partner there. So I stopped after a year and I was at a work uh, Christmas party and the owner of the company was there. And he was, uh, at the time, the company I was working for, he had someone that was running the company as, as the president. And so he was kind of a he would show up for the parties and stuff. He owned the company, but he wasn't in the day-to-day operations. And um, I remember he showed up and he and I were just, just talking and kind of chit-chatting. And he said, hey, I, I noticed that you stopped. Uh, interesting. This actually does get back to reputation. Um, uh, he goes, I noticed that you stopped posting those things at 4 a.m. every day. And I was like, you see those posts, you actually pay attention to them. He goes, yeah, I love them. It it motivates me because I see that your post at 4 a.m. and I see your quote for the day and I think, oh, Nate's up working out. I should get up and work out, you know? And uh, he goes, you must be a quitter. And I was in the Marine Corps. So we don't, like we say that we never retreat. We just attack in a different direction. So quitting doesn't, doesn't compute in my head. And I immediately went, okay, game on. It's every single day, all day, every day, like, it's going to be there at 4 a.m. every single day. Um, so I just continued it since then. And then to your point, well, what are you posting it for if it's not actually doing anything? So today I, I, I started, I've got a new thing that I'm going to be doing. Um, but I feel like I'm justified in changing it to something new because there aren't that many people that really care to see I'm, it. 
I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that when that guy said to you, you must be a quitter, that felt awful. Oh, it was a dagger. I it felt was... it here. It was... What, 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 did that, what's, what is that feeling like? What does that feeling remind you of? Remind me of? What are the times in your life have you felt that? Well, so I guess to, what it really drew me to was my, my last day of the School of Infantry. Huh, gets back to reputation. Um, my last day of School of Infantry, because I was a reservist, I went to boot camp. I had my 10 days leave like everybody gets, and then you go to your, your school for whatever your specialty is. And I was, in, I was in infantry. I was a machine gunner, so I went to the School of Infantry and spent another three months there training. And um, I was at Camp Pendleton, which is the largest base we have here in the United States. It's in uh, just north of San Diego, California. And um, a lot of the a lot of the units are based there at Camp Pendleton because it's so big. So when my unit graduated and we got released on the very last day, I'm going to say 95% of my, my uh, group that went through the school of infantry with me hopped on a bus and got bussed down the road to their, their new unit. And they checked in. Whereas I hopped on um, a bus and went back to the airport and flew home. And uh, so everybody that was leaving on the bus to go to their unit, they were in their full alpha uniform, which is our, our green kind of dress uniform. That's a full suit and tie, so to speak. Um, they were in that uniform with their sea bag and heading off. And I was in jeans and a t-shirt because I was going to the airport. And I remember the commanding officer uh, for my particular company stopped me as I was coming down the stairs. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, going to the airport, sir. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, what's, what's he stopping me for? And, um, I was wearing a, just, again, just a pair of jeans and jeans and a t-shirt. And he said, go back to the barracks and you put a collared shirt on. He said, you from this day forward represent the Marine Corps every single day of your life. And that right there triggered me that I went, okay, I'm never going to be underdressed in public. I'll wear a t-shirt at home and stuff. But if I go out in public, um, not that I won't wear a t-shirt, but I'll wear a t-shirt that's plain and doesn't have anything flashy on it or anything like that. Um, cause I, I just look at it as in every scenario, people know, uh, usually from a haircut, it's a little long for me right now, but it will get cut on Friday. Um, <laughs> um, but people know, like everybody that knows me knows that I was in the Marine Corps. So every action I take represents what a Marine would do in, in real life. So kind of, I guess, ties back to that reputation side of it um mm. that when yeah when he said you're a quitter it, to your point of saying like you felt it right here that was exactly where I felt that of just are you kidding me like with everything you know that I do and like I'm, I'm a hard worker I'm your top sales guy I'm um, I had just gotten put into a management position I'm like and, and you're telling me I'm a quitter like really um and, that, and that's interesting because that is absolutely the downside of of being unaware of what drives these behavioral programs because people will see that in you and they will use that to manipulate and exploit you. That part's true. <laughs> yeah. People will, who want, who benefit from you working harder than you should do or that you are contracted to do will know exactly what to say to get you to, to pull out all the stops. Yeah. I never, I never thought about how that could be used against me, but 
uh, definitely could. You've seen, have you seen the movies Back to the Future? Yes. The, the whole trilogy. So think about how Marty McFly responds to being called chicken. Yeah. And doesn't learn his lesson right till the end of the third movie. Yep. Yeah, I would definitely be that way. <laughs> Not to be called chicken, because I'm kind of like, well, you can call me whatever you want. Like, you can you can have your thoughts, but if you call me a quitter, that's, that's, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that the lights go off. So... So you said you'd read about 70% of my book. So you, you, you're just a quitter until you've <laughs> read 100%. I recommended them to all your friends and, and family. I was saying, they're, they're all going to be read now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really interesting, this connection with reputation. And, and, and that, I'm guessing, goes way, way back. And you might not even remember the first time that you had that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you might remember some early times, but you probably don't remember the, the, the very first times that you learned that. But that's what's really driving that that need to learn from others' mistakes and that need to be on the watch out, to model, to, to learn from others. Whereas if somebody's doing something, for want of a better word, positive, something that you think that's interesting or that, that looks like it could work, mm-hmm. there's a much weaker motivation for that it's like useful but it's not really driving you whereas the 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 need to avoid this reputational damage is is very motivating and uh and then that drives the the discipline and so it it could be 4 a.m could be 7 a.m could be having the same thing for breakfast every day it doesn't matter whatever it is that you've said that you will do becomes loaded into that reputation management program and that's it you then stick with it yeah. I'm wondering if one of the downsides, I'm, I'm wondering how you manage it when there's something that you have made a decision that you're going to stop or change. How do you, how do you manage that change in expectations? It's actually a really good question because I don't know that I figured that part out yet. Um, one of the tendencies I'd say that I have that's probably a detriment is that I determine I'm going to do something and then I'll I'll get myself into that pattern and then I'll do it even if it's not benefiting me a hundred percent, because I'm still not sure if I stop, if I'll, you know, if I'm getting 70% of the benefits, if I stop, I'll I'll only get, you know, I'll get zero. So as long as I'm still doing it, I'm still getting 70% of the benefit. Um, And then the cost of what you're not doing with that time and and energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's cost of time because time is what you put into it. So like an an example I'll use is I have a very um, specific workout routine that I do and I feel comfortable in doing it because I've, I've, it changes every six weeks, but it's, it's the same program. It's just shaped slightly differently for the different six weeks. So um, each time six week cycle occurs, the rep range changes. I go from kind of heavy to lighter. Um, I go from slower movement to faster movement. So it changes enough that it keeps my body in good shape. But like an example I could give, um, when, when you read the, the research on weightlifting, they'll say that you should only lift for so many days and then your body needs a break. And because um, otherwise your, your muscles aren't uh, repairing themselves and your body needs so much rest. Well, what I personally found is that I can push myself further than most people can um, when it comes to that. 
And so I was curious to see just how far I could go without a break. And I thought, oh, maybe it'll last 30 days, maybe it'll last 60 days, maybe it'll last 90 days before I really, like, I, I have to have a rest day um, because either my body's breaking down or I just, my joints are breaking down or whatever it is. And what I found is that because I change things up every six weeks, it changes up what joints are being stressed more or less. And I've now been working out every single day without missing a single day for, I think I'm going on two years now. Um, and if you talk to a trainer, they'll tell you you're nuts, <laughs> but I still look at it and go, but I have the discipline. My, my concern is almost if I stop working out, will I then go from, I took a one day break to a four day break or a one month break that I didn't intend to take, but I got, I broke the habit. So now getting back into the habit is going to be tough. Does that make sense? They called you a quitter and. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So whether that's good for me or not, I don't know, but I do know, like I've got a buddy who's uh, got a master's degree in human performance from a um, physical perspective. And I've talked to him about it and his, his kind of recommendation to me was if you're still able to increase your weights and you're not getting injured, he goes, you may not be getting as much benefit as you could if you put a rest day in there and change your workout up a little bit. But if you're still increasing your weights, as long as you haven't completely plateaued, theoretically, you're okay. And I haven't had where I've, I'm consciously aware of that because I track all my stuff. Um, but I haven't hit a point where every time I go through a six-week cycle, I'm able to add more weight to the bar, more weight from the dumbbells that I'm using for almost every single exercise. So um, I do have a feedback loop to kind of keep me in check, but at the same time, I also could look at it and go, well, and that's where, what could I do with that time? Well, I'm going to work out one way or another. Like if I, for, for me, if I wasn't weightlifting, I'd be doing yoga or I'd be taking a longer walk or I'd do something to fill that time with exercise. Cause that's kind of my time block for exercise. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, so yes, it seems that once you you've committed to something, that that's it. That that your <clears throat> your driver to preserve your reputation will keep you doing that. And I think that the sharing the photos is interesting because, as I as I suggested, we 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 share photos so that they are seen, not not just by you, but by by others. So, is there anybody in particular in that, that, that comes to mind who it would mean the most to you for them to see those photos and say, wow, you, you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. Keep up the good work, that, that kind of thing. Who would it mean the most to you if, if, if a particular person was to see those photos and know that you were hundred percent, a man of your word and a man of great character and so on. I, I don't think anybody um, yeah, I don't, I, I guess like from a, from a reputation perspective or like wanting people to know it's more for me. It's as long as I know that that's the case. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. But you already knew that before you posted it on Instagram. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, 
I guess that, that wasn't the reason that I was posting it on Instagram. Like when it, when it first started, the reason that I was posting it on Instagram was to keep myself accountable because that was kind of my... So I'm going to be picky and say yeah. that a person cannot perform an action on themselves. You can't carry yourself. You can in metaphor, you can, in, you can imagine it. But yeah. in the physical world, uh, a, a subject, an actor, performs an action upon an object, a, 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 a recipient of that action. Uh-huh. So you can't, what was it you said? You, you can't hold yourself accountable. Right. Either you can hold somebody else accountable or somebody else can hold you accountable. So who is the person who you most value being held accountable by or 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 proving that you live up to that accountability? I don't know that there's just one. Well, if, if I give you that's, a... That's where I'm I don't know that there's just one person, but I don't, I don't feel like it's like I need, I need the approval from all these other people. You know what I mean? No, like, it's interesting, I think, because one of the, the side effects you get from posting on Instagram is that you're declaring, I don't care who sees me. Mm-hmm. Anybody could come by my house at 4am and they would see me up. So you, you, in a way, you're making a very general declaration that I'm open. Uh, anybody can come and test check me out at any time and, and, and you'll see that I'm doing what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. There's a general declaration of commitment and consistency and honesty and, and good character, basically, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, to make a very wild generalization, usually it's mother, father, older brother, older sister, something like that. Somebody who, if you could prove beyond, you know, if you could finally prove to that person you were worthy of, of that reputation, that would be the final kind of tick in the box. And I wondered if there was anything like that in your mind. Yeah. In that, in that case, I wouldn't say that there is mainly because the people who I would say it probably matters the most, like my dad, my mom, um, siblings, the only sibling, like my brother is active on social, but not very active. My wife is, um, she's deleted her account more times than she's had it just because social is, is a pain. So we're kind of a social media might be a red herring Uh, posting that because, because it's a convenient way to communicate those images Mm -hmm. might not be a direct way of communicating with the person who you most want to tell. If there was one person in the world who you would want to be able to look them in the eye and say, I've, I'm doing everything that I said that I would do. I am what worthy. I am my own person, mm-hmm. the phrase you used earlier. Who would be the person who you would most like to, to earn their respect by, by saying that, acknowledging that to them? Do they have to be alive? No. <laughs> Um, I think if I had to put it to like a specific, uh, person, it would be, uh, my, my two grandfathers. Um, and if I had to choose between the two, I could probably choose one of them, but it would be my two grandpas. Cause I have, I have immense, uh, respect for those two guys. And, um, and if they were looking down now, they would be proud of the man that you had become. Oh, Absolutely. And, and proud also of the man that they had helped you to become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I definitely believe they would. Mm. So. so I think we know what drives the 
the modeling and, and the self-discipline. Care to share? <laughs> the, uh, the, and the drive for... Well, uh, to, to not... I, I, I don't want to diminish the, the power and the significance of it by reducing it into, into simple words, but, but essentially winning the, the respect and the approval of your grandfathers, mm-hmm. or at least returning, returning the respect that you have for them. Yeah, that would probably be the, the best way to say it is returning, um, returning the respect. Cause it's one of those things that um, I felt more loved by, by those two guys than anything, especially I was out of all the grandkids. Um, and I don't know the exact number between the two grandfathers, you know, how many grandkids there were, but I was the only one in the entire family that went into the military and both of them, our relationships changed when I came back from the military. Um, and, you know, going, going through the whole process we've gone through here of reputation and, and what that means. Um, I dropped out of college to join the military. And when I did that, I, I can remember vividly having conversations with my dad and, and multiple other people saying, the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, my one grandpa served in world war two. He didn't land in Normandy on D day, but three days after he, he landed in, in Normandy and, and went through that whole experience. My other grandfather served uh, during the Korean conflict, never got deployed, but was still in service to our country. And no one else in my family, uncles, um, I had one uncle who married into the family who had technically served, but no one in my direct relation in my direct lineage all the way through my cousins had served. And I have two younger, uh, two cousins that are younger than myself um, who I knew didn't have that ambition and weren't going to go into the military. Um, and so I felt like it was kind of my duty to serve. And after I did that, I remember our relationships completely changed because um, military brethren, it's kind of this, this unique brotherhood that um, there's things you can share between each other because of that, that bond that, I had my, both my grandpas that shared things with me that my, my mom and my dad were going, Hey, your, your grandpa's never told us that before. He's never shared that story. Um, so I guess for me, it's almost paying it back and, you know, they gave me this great opportunity and I just want to repay it and hold up, hold up the name, so to speak. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a very different feeling from you now than the one before. Okay. The feeling that I, the only word that I could put to it is pride. Oh yeah, absolutely. What, what word would you give the feeling that you're experiencing right now? I, I would say pride. Um, pride, respect, respect for those, for those two guys. Um, I mean, I have a, a immense amount of respect for them. Um, I'm very, very proud to, to be their grandson and, and to, uh, you know, be able to carry their legacy through the world, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. and yeah. and to reciprocate that that pride and respect, that's that's a, a tremendous uh, motivator. Mm-hmm. So, getting yeah. up at four a.m. isn't about self discipline; it's about earning reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sharing that on Instagram isn't about trying to get likes; it's about being open to to scrutiny to demonstrating that you're a a man who lives by by his word and by his principles Mm -hmm. 
and anybody could test that anytime. Yep. And learning from others is about learning from others' mistakes in order to protect that hard-earned reputation. Whereas learning from other successes is a lot more subjective and individual. And that's where your self-expression comes out. I'm my own person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my own way, but I'm going to make that way in, in, a, in a character that I can be proud of. Yeah. Does that pretty much sum up what we've talked about with self-discipline and um, learning from others? Yeah, I would, I would say so. It's interesting because when I mentioned those two things, I, I felt they were completely unrelated. Um, but the way you've, you've pulled them together, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how they're actually uh, almost more dependent on each other than uh, they are unrelated. Like they're, they're completely dependent on each other and one almost drives, drives the other completely. Well, that's all for now. And I hope you've gotten as much from listening to this podcast as I got from making it. If you've got any questions or any suggestions about people you think I should be interviewing, then do get in touch and let me know. Otherwise, I very much look forward to next time. Take care.